So really what we talk about is making wellness hip. You know, we're just trying to take a lot of those elements of health and wellness and bring those into, you know, the rental world, into apartments and to homes that are available for rent and really instill a culture of health and wellness. You know, people don't need to be 60 years old to live in a good home and get good, good health habits and start thinking about wellness. Hello, this is April Lamont with the Allison Innovator Series. We're delighted today to welcome Jim Doby to the podcast. Jim, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Would you mind starting out by telling us a little bit more about yourself, your journey, how you found yourself to where you are today? Thanks, April. Excited to be here today. Uh, back in the 90s, it only took me about three years to realize that windsurfing all the time and working at a windsurfing sail loft and building log furniture wasn't going to make me any money. And I couldn't survive on that. So at some point in time, I got a real job and I was working for a re uh, regional real estate company. And it was a huge learning curve for me, but I really ended up enjoying it quite a bit. So this first job in real estate, I was helping an owner buy shopping centers and office buildings. And, it, and I was doing everything. I was leasing the shopping centers, working with leasing brokers. I had a landscape maintenance crew and I was doing everything and I just learned a ton. But there are two, two experiences that really stand out as formational for me early in my career. First, I can absolutely remember the day where the group I was with, we bought a hotel to renovate it and it was this old historic hotel. So we had to close it down. And so after... After we purchased it, the owner looked at me and he said, all right, you know, you need to go close down the hotel. And that's when I realized I needed to go call a staff meeting of over 100 people and lay everybody off and give them separation packages. This was a, obviously a very memorable experience for me and really drove home the point of the importance of a role of management and how we treat people in the workplace and, and, and really create a community um, within the workplace, it feels feels safe and feels good. The other experience that I had, which is germane to our conversation here today, is that it, it revolves around me renovating a shopping center and, and focusing a lot on placemaking. You know, have you ever noticed when you're driving down the street and you see a dingy old shopping center, you basically just have the tendency to keep on driving and go to the next set of stores down the street well, I bought that dingy old shopping center, and but the my job in the early days gave me an op opportunity to work with some great architects, some landscape designers, and we renovated that shopping center into a place where people really wanted to be, and it felt it felt great. It worked really well financially, and uh, and it was a it was a great place for the community. But then, you know, as I moved through my career and retail started to have its challenges from a macro perspective, I started working in the management, operation, and development of apartments. I've now been in that world for 15 years, and it's been great fun. Most recently, you know, two years ago, I started Zeal for Living, and that venture is really starting to get some legs, and I'm working with a lot of great people again. We're super focused on placemaking within the residential environment. And we're working hard to make a community where it's easy for people to live well. I'd love to hear you talk more about placemaking. You know, it's a term that we hear, um, but at least for me, I don't always feel like I really has a, have a grasp over what that means to someone in your world. 
Yeah. Um, you know, once again, going back to a shopping center, you know, when you when when people walk into a shopping center, they mean they they may not really realize why they feel good there, uh, but but the designers um, certainly have um, orchestrated the environment to make people feel good, and so uh, you know, so from the lighting, uh, obviously, you know, a nice, good, bright lighting makes you feel safe, secure. Um, from, and, and so you're talking about lighting and not only in the common areas, but, you know, the this, this store lighting and the way the light comes out through the, the store windows, um, store frontage um, and, and displays. You know, are they are they dingy or, you know, are they bright and, and inviting and lots of color and, and vibrant? Um, you know, are there, you know, are there big, long drives or, or alleys or, or, or walkways that are, you know, just endless, or is, is there a little bit of a, a curve in the shopping center or the mall or, you know, in the hotel hallway that makes you want to see what's around the corner and, uh, and explore a little bit. And so there's all these little visual cues that, that um, kind of pique people's interest and, and, make them feel the way they they do and it's 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 all orchestrated it's not it's not conniving it's just uh it's just genuine and trying to create a place that people like to be in exactly exactly and so this experience from the shopping center sense of place making to multifamily apartment residential how has that really brought you now to zeal for living yeah zeal for living it's 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 a lot of fun i'm having a great time with it it's um, I've, I've got a buddy of mine and he he worked really hard for most of his life and then he moved into an active adult community and I've gone to visit him there a couple times and he, you know he's happier and healthier than ever and um, and so you know I was looking at the way he was living his life and I was like you know thinking you know you don't have to be 60 years old uh, and living in a uh, you know, active adult or retirement community to live well. You know, I, I was thinking to myself, I, I mean, I can do this for for youngsters. And so, you know, really what we talk about is ma- wait, uh, excuse me, making wellness hip. And uh, and so it's so it's a lot of fun. You know, we're just trying to take a lot of those elements of health and wellness and bring those into you know, the rental world and into apartments and to homes that are available for rent and um, and really instill a culture of health and wellness throughout the apartment community. And so connecting people, uh, you know, to to the other folks that are living there, um, bringing in educational components, you know, around health and wellness, trying to keep people active. And so we're, we're having a good time with it. It's interesting that, you know, we tend to think about wellness often at a community level, right? What kinds of programming, information, um, different types of events perhaps that highlight wellness. And one of the things that I know you're really looking seriously at is how do you bring that same level of attention to wellness actually into the home, the home itself? What are some of the things that you're considering, you're exploring around that idea, Jim? Uh, yeah, April. So there's, 
you know, when we started looking at bringing wellness into the home and, and having a healthy home, you know, we, we saw that we were walking through all of these million dollar custom homes. And, and it's, it's just a shame that you have to have this fancy custom home that you need to own in order to have a good environment inside the home. And so, you know, what we've done is we've um, focused on and prioritized bringing some of these elements into the home that, um, that, that typically aren't in a rental. And so our air conditioning has a little bit higher filtration levels. So, so the, the pollens and things like that from the outside are filtered out better. Uh, it's simple things like blackout shades in the bedroom. You know, we're really, we really focused on trying to keep or create a great sleeping environment. And so you have blackout shades and you've got a quieter room and you've got a little bit quieter air conditioning and you've got a ceiling fan and all of these things help you uh, sleep better. And then, and then through, through our community and our um, information put out through our, our wellness experience officer, you know, teaching you, teaching our residents about sleep hygiene and, and you know, simple stuff about turning off your, turning off your electronics and, and not having your phone right next to your bed, which, you know, even, even through your eyelids, you can, you can, your, your body will sense if your phone notification lights up your room in the middle of the night, which is, which is not good for your sleep. And so, um, just trying to provide simple educational components to people on how to use use their home and and um, and and set up good habits. You make such an interesting point about really the um, attainability of wellness in the in the home, and you're the first, at least, that I've I've talked to about making it really available in the for rent market. How did this all kind of congeal this concept for you? Right. Yeah. So I was working with, um, you know, I've been, like I said, I've been working in the rental community forever or <laughs> for a while now. And, um, and so I, uh, I started to talk to uh, a large healthcare company about rental housing and wellness. And they're, they're very invested in senior housing and, and so one of the one of the their comments is is you know our average resident is over seventy years old and so we're we're missing a big part of the market and we we've got a lot of strategic information and and ways that we operate that we think would be good for you know thirty forty fifty year olds and and so collectively you know we we said you know you know people don't need to be sixty years old to live in a good home and get good good health habits and 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 start thinking about wellness and you know and I think today's people today's um, you know young families that are forming you know they're they're as concerned or interested in living well as as you know people when they start to you know start to feel a little bit less healthy you know then they get peaked up then they get peaked interest in in being living well so so together with um, this healthcare company we are uh, investing in um, you know new developments so to ground up homes with with these health and wellness components to them and then also uh, buying existing apartment complexes and and doing what we call value-add renovations but we're not focused on you know, plugging in, you know, new fancy granite 
we're we're focused on um, you know upgrading the air conditioning systems. We're focused on bringing in um, gardening, like you know, gardening systems where we can where we can bring in some raised beds and some greenhouses and some gardening education and and other types of um, you know activities that are really focused on health and wellness as opposed to just a uh, maybe a party around the pool, which which is fine for a lot of communities, but you know we're we're trying to create a culture of health and wellness. So it sounds like you have a slightly different target market, or um, than maybe some other folks that we could easily think of. Um, is the health and wellness sort of the anchor idea? It's not age specific or geographically oriented. Kind of give us a profile of where you see this expanding. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of apartment uh, buildings, especially new construction or Class A or B plus, it's you know they're all down the middle of the fairway and they're trying not to you know really offend anybody. Um, they're being fairly generic, um, and and they'll update their common areas, you know, every five or seven years, and put in the new the new colors. Um, for us, you know, we've done a deep dive of a lot of the master plan communities out there, um, you know, like the Lake Nona's of the world that really have a lot of, you know, by Tavistock that have a lot of focus on health and wellness, and um, and there's multiple communities around the country. We've studied the demographics, and there's there's just a, a lot of um, interest from what I call the two barbells. So the early family formation years. So these these uh, young families moving out of downtown and a in a small apartment, and they're expanding into their first home. Um, and so they're often you know wanting to bring the culture of health and wellness to their family and and teach their children about it. And then also um, kind of the, what I call the early empty nesters. So your first move down, uh, lock and leave lifestyle, they're maybe following their grandbabies. And, uh, and, and, and those two groups are, are definitely um, our targets. And so, you know, we're looking throughout, uh, throughout the Sunbelt. Um, and, uh, you know, I live in Colorado and, and we're working on some projects here in Colorado and Texas and, and in various other states in the Sun Belt. <clears throat> you know, um, one of the other things that I recall us chatting about is, um, Jim, this idea of bringing people closer to the street, closer to the sidewalk. There's some things I know you're planning around facilitating that in terms of the design. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I, absolutely. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, a lot of the designs today um, are just about the, the car and, and, uh, and people will enter their garage and go right into their house and not interact with their, uh, with their neighbors. And, you know, part of part of wellness and part of a good good lifestyle is having connection, and you you know your neighbors are people that you can run into, you know, rain, sleet, <laughs> hail or snow. I mean, it's you know you can run into these people all the time, and um, 
And so we have uh, really emphasized putting a little bit larger patios out on our homes and, um, and, and patios where you can actually put some furniture out there and, and live, live out there. Um, you know, our front yards are a little bit shallower, so people are a little bit closer to, to the sidewalk. And, um, and then just really trying to create that community. Um, some of our homes are on, on muses, so on a green space. So you have your rear entry homes and then your, your home actually lives out toward that green space and, and facing other, other homes. And, um, and then just having a little bit of an amenity in the middle. Uh, whether it's uh, a fire ring where you can get together with, with some of your neighbors and, and enjoy each other's company or a place to picnic tables to sit. And um, so you might not do a big barbecue with all those folks out there, but you might you know, call each other and just say, hey, let's, let's go grab a cocktail and, and sit out on, in the green space. That's such a great point about the connection, right? And thinking about all of those dimensions of wellness and bringing that to an attainable price point in the rental market. So it feels to me, Jim, that Zeal for Living is a concept, not so much a product, um, because you might have apartments, you might have single family. Um, what you're really trying to do is create a mindset around how we're gonna live our lives around the, around the pillars of wellness. It, it, you're absolutely right, April, because we've been, um, we started off just working on new development and and ground up and and what does it look like if we have a blank slate and and that was a lot of fun and then we we've also then moved into some of this this value add of buying existing and how can how can we bring our our culture of wellness into these into these other apartment communities and bring people together and, and renovate um existing existing assets to to embrace wellness and so that's that's been a lot of fun and um we're working on our first um first acquisition out in north carolina and uh and so you know bringing all of the designers you know the architects and engineers in to take a look at it and 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 see you know what we can do and you know this 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 first one that we're looking at it has a lot of acreage and um and so we're looking at adding in some some raised raised beds and some greenhouse and some shade, so people can hang out outside. And then the the, the gardening folks are like, well, you know, we, we need to make this a little bit better. And so bringing in some some workbenches and some some community tools in the little tool shed, so people can really actually get after it in their in their raised beds. And and then you know simple things like. The dog park is really small and, and there's no light there. And, and so doing some doing some resident interviews, we said, you know, how do you feel around the property? And, 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 and typically it was the women that would say, you know, the dog park is nice, but there's no light. And so when we go there at night, we feel we feel a little little unsafe. And so you know, simple things like adding some some dog park lighting and then. Um, and then one of the th uh, items that really, you know, is kind of, uh, you know, that, that we're working hard now on is, is our um, communications app applications and software to, uh, to allow all the residents to, to talk together, to create um, resident groups, interest groups and affinity groups, um, whether it's 
uh, a walking group or jogging group or bike riding um, or just just you know something as simple as a dog walking group at 10 or 11 o'clock at night I mean once again talking to the residents you know they they wanted to um, have that community but they also wanted to have the safety of knowing that other people were going to be out there in the evening and so um, by putting putting lighting out there and creating a group where people can can chat with each other and 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 get together and go out there and and walk dogs together and, and once again create the connections uh, between people that that you know the data shows you know it just makes people feel better and and live better. So true. You know another thing that I recall us chatting about Jim is really this kind of a focus on IOT in particular around maintenance facing types of scheduling, anticipating. You had a really interesting take on that. And I wonder if you'd share that with us. Uh, sure. Um, you know, part of, part of what um, we were working on as we were designing these homes is, is just bringing in the, the smart home systems. And, um, and so obviously it's important for the residents to have their smart home, but, but as, as us as managers, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that we're managing these, these homes well. And so, you know, if you look at, um, you know, we're, we're doing a pilot program with, with GE appliances and, and so it gets a little technical, but, you know, uh, if you think about it, like by monitoring the electrical um, the wattage usage by a refrigerator um, that, that we can do with GE. You know, we know that if a, if a refrigerator is going to you know fail, and so you know refrigerators never fail when you're when you're home and you're sitting and you're watching them. They always they always fail when you're gone for a week and you come home and you get a fridge full of you know rotten food and. The ice, the ice trays have melt, melted all over the floor, and they've ruined your flooring, right? And so, um, so, and then that, you know, in the rental world, I mean, that just creates all kinds of work orders and all kinds of, you know, tension between property management and and the and the renter. And so, you know, it's pretty easy for us to flip that over by monitoring that and getting getting some um, warning signs that a compressor is about to fail and then we can do a preventative maintenance and send a maintenance technician out there and, and replace a compressor and the refrigerator never breaks. And, and the resident just thinks, you know, it was just standard preventative maintenance. And, and, um, and so it really uh, sets, sets us up for success. And there's various other, um, you know, types of technology that we can use you know, once again, monitoring HVAC, air conditioning systems, and things like that through through uh, smart home systems. So, you know, smart home systems started off as a very resident-facing thing where people could turn their lights on and off from a distance or, you know, turn their oven on from work and start preheating their oven. Um, but, uh, you know, we see the, the real value in these smart home systems is, you know, streamlining property management because, you know, these... These homes are getting more and more sophisticated all the time. Just, just like we, you know, I was talking about our 
for our wellness component for HVAC, you know, these these HVAC excuse me, the HVAC systems are a little bit more, you know, sophisticated than than what's typically the rental. It's an interesting convergence of what we see in the commercial market, office market, a lot of technology around monitoring systems to either, you know, lower cost or reduce energy consumption. And now some of those things are migrating over into, into the residential side as well. Is that how you think about it? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, the systems in an office building are very sophisticated uh, and, and they have been for quite a while. I, I remember back in the 90s, uh, one of our one of our maintenance technicians, he was always able to monitor our HVAC systems for our office buildings from his home. And, uh, you know, you'd never be able to do that in a in a residential application. But but it's it's, you know, it's gaining speed. And um, so it's. I think it's going to help everybody out. I can see how it's going to help your tenant resident experience, but also facilitate the management of the community at scale, right? I, I imagine that person who can monitor remotely now can monitor many different projects almost simultaneously rather than having to have uh, someone focused on each one individually. Right. But I mean, it's it's also it's tough. Um, you know, it's funny. I talk to people about technology, and it's I kind of have this bittersweet relationship with technology. Because I mean, when you when you walk into, I'm, I'm I'm sure April, you've you've traveled quite a bit for work and 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 pleasure. But you walk into a hotel room, and you look down, and you see that clock next to the bed. It's got that old Apple 16 or 30 pin right. adapter on the clock. And you instantly think like, oh, my gosh, how old is this place? Well, you know, <laughs> you know and, and it's the same way in apartments. You know, it's, it's, so residents walk in and they see some fitness equipment or they see some old um, USB, you know, adapter that they can't put their their plugs into. And instantly what what three years ago was was cutting edge new technology. Now it's old. But. You know, and so now it's a, a negative instead of a positive. Um, and so it's, you know, we, we love it, but, you know, it's also, it can also cut against you a little bit. Yeah. How do you thread that um, balance there? How do you, how do you balance on that teeter totter between being current and maybe ahead of the game and, and then not seemingly antiquated in just a couple of years? <laughs> right. It's tough in real estate because you just don't, you know, you just don't throw a house away. I mean, it's around for 75 years and, um, and it's, and it's hard to upgrade these, these things on a regular basis. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've been using um, more hardware that is uh, upgradable, you know, just through software updates um, and, and trying not to do, uh, you know, very specific, customized, um, you know, hard, hardware applications, you know, like, like, for example, those, those USB ports, you know, I, I stopped putting those in. I mean, those, you know, your plug, I, I it's funny, I was 
kind of getting ready for this. And I was like, how long has the plug been around? Like your standard outlet plug is like, I don't know, over 75 years. And, you know, it hasn't changed. But, you know, USBs, you know, they keep changing, you know, every three or four years. And um, so, you know, and now, now things are going wireless. And so uh, you, just, you just set it on your charging pad. And um, so it, it's tough. Um, you know, we're putting Wi-Fi in, in a lot of these homes and Wi-Fi keeps changing. The radios, you know, type, types keep changing. And it's five, six, seven you know, um, generation. And so it's, it's tough. And so we're, we're trying to work with some, um, providers for these things that, um, also will, will, uh, do a lot of, uh, refreshes, you know, hardware refreshes, software refreshes, and, and make sure that our, um, whatever they can do, you know, if it's firmware updates, you know, that they can, they can do those over the air, and try to keep everything up and running as best as possible. It's a challenge we all face, certainly in the real estate industry, but also as consumers. Yeah, Seems absolutely. like as soon as you have everything wired yeah. up, they uh, there's a change. So it's just something we all have to stay on top of. But I appreciate in the work that you're doing, that you're doing some creative things in terms of working with partners who can either help or systems that maybe are external to the physical structure. So that you can easily, easily update. You know, Jim, this whole idea of zeal for living is is really taps an emotional core, you know, because I think it's something very aspirational and universal in all of us. And I'd love to talk with you a little bit more about yourself and maybe through the lens of zeal for living, understand, you know, where you turn for inspiration. You know, it sounds like you've had a great career, but you know, and a couple of turns, just like myself included, probably most people, like what has led your path? Where have you gone for inspiration or motivation for, for these changes? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there, there's, it's hard to put the, you know, my finger on any particular item, but um, I definitely travel uh, quite a bit, um, travel for work and travel for pleasure. And you know, just going back to our placemaking discussion, I I just I just love looking at different environments, um, seeing how you know different you know different cultures, different cities, different countries, uh, you know, deal with things. Um, you know, I remember going to uh, La Paz, Mexico, and we're walking around a farmers market on a on a Saturday, and um, you know, my family hates it because I'm always like, you know, okay, well, we need to go check out the, the square in this town or the square in that town. And, you know, there's always the church on one of the, one of the sides of the square. And, you know, and I just, you know, I, I, I love, you know, looking at those things and absorbing them. And then, you know, and then reading, um, you know, I, I just read so darn much for work. Um, I, I don't get to read as much for pleasure as I want, but, um, you know, one of the one of the books that kind of hit on on both both um, venues was uh, Richard Florida's Rise of the Creative Class, and and I I talk about that quite a bit, and and you know I explain to people it's it's really how the the worker in the forties and fifties had to go chase the jobs and they had to go where the jobs were, and now you know because 
you know, the, the worker is the, the creative class is where the value is really created. The, the employers have to chase the employees. And so, you know, so now you've got, you know, the Austins and the Nashvilles that have really been, been, you know, coming to life over the past, you know, decade. And, um, and so it's, it's, it's really interesting. You know, I read that book, you know, a couple times, but see how that's been, been, you know, really playing out and really, you know, coming true here over the past decade. It's a really inspiring book. And we'll call that out in the program notes. If you haven't read it, it's a great one. It has really nice case studies. Asbury Park is one I remember, but there's several stories in there and how the creative class has really revitalized a number of uh, towns and cities across the country. The, The final question, Jim, I would love to get your thoughts on is one that I ask all of our podcast guests, and that is what advice would you offer to the 25-year-old version of yourself today? Knowing what you know, the experiences that you've had, whether it's in real estate or in life in general, what advice would you offer to our younger listeners? Like other than moving to Hawaii and just surfing? um... Uh, let's see. So, well, as I've been listening to some of your podcasts, getting ready for this, and uh, you know, Ken Hunt had uh, some advice for for a twenty five year old yeah, of going to uh-huh. a big market and seeing uh, seeing a lot of transaction velocity, and and you know, and I I'm I'm right there with it uh, with him on on that. Uh, but you know, I'd say that one of the one of the things that um, I also think is important is is uh, that you, you need to see a lot of aspects of, of a job and um, or or an industry, I guess you could say. And you know, so you know, work at large companies as well as small companies because you know, large companies you'll probably become a specialist in a very small channel. Um, where you know, some of the small companies, you know, you will. You'll be more of a generalist and and see more of of the industry. And so, when somebody's you know in their twenties, I mean they they really don't know all the aspects of the industry that are out there, and they don't you know I mean everybody says oh do what you love. It's like well do you know what you love yet? And at twenty five, well maybe not. And so you know if you can if you can work in a lot of different aspects of a job, then you can learn what you love. And then, you know, once, once you really like what you're doing, it'll show and, um, and you'll, the cream will rise to the top. If you're, if you're a curmudgeon, well, you know, that, that's tough. (laughs) It's it's, going to be a long career, but if you're doing what you love, that's great. And so you just need to figure out what that is. And, and so working with some big companies as well as small companies gives you an opportunity to see a lot. That's great advice. Jim, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today and in the conversations leading up to this, um, to this episode. I want to thank you for spending the time with me and spending the time with our audience and sharing your thoughts and wishing you all the best with Zeal for Living. I think it's an awesome concept and I hope it goes well. Thanks, April. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we're, we're having a lot of fun with Zeal and um, 
you know, just uh, thanks for, for taking the time to, to let me talk, tell you about it. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alessant Innovator Series. If you like what you heard, be sure to explore our back catalog of podcast episodes for more insightful commentary from the best and brightest innovators in our industry. Be sure to follow, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. All of that will help to increase the visibility of this program, which we hope will inspire a new generation of innovators. Tired of losing key fobs? The solution is Alessant Azul, a scalable access control platform to enhance your resident's experience. With a simple installation, it works instantly, giving your residents mobile access to unlock amenities and spaces. No more fobs, just convenience at your fingertips. Visit alessant.com to discover how Alessant Azul is revolutionizing access control.